Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast look at the Halloween franchise from now until mid to late January 2024. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and joining me as always, my co-host, Andrew Quinn. How are you, Andrew? I'm doing good, Darren. I'm doing very well. Um, how are you doing um, today? Should, should we say that we're doing well if we... Um, like, does this, 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 this that tip... Uh, what we think of the movie if i didn't like the movie should i always say i'm not doing well as if it, it's um, affected my mood <laughs> in, in case listeners are kind of paying attention they're playing that long a game they're yeah, like, yeah yeah they're listening to the first five words of the podcast before deciding <laughs> whether the movie's worth their time like yep not worth my time okay yep, done it. out um we'll play that one particularly close to your chest yeah so listeners can live in suspense for the next 10 to 15 minutes but how are you <laughs> i'm good i'm pretty good Excellent. Um, but how is our guest, Joey <laughs> Joey Kyo, our co-host for this season, joining us on this journey for this week talking about Halloween 4? How are you, Joey? He's back in pog form. <laughs> <laughs> he looks worse than ever, you guys. What happened? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but my abiding image in, in Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, was that he looked like Rick Springfield playing Benedict Cumberbatch, playing Martin Short in Inherent Vice in the Aww. second season of uh, True Detective. That's what Michael Myers looked like to me in this movie. Um, but yes, we are joined by a fantastic guest, the wonderful Peter Keenan. How are you, Peter? Oh, oh, God, my government name, jeez. Oh, <laughs> not oh, used oh, sugar, to... okay. Do you have an alias? <laughs> no, it's it's cool. I'm just so used to being on things like this where like someone will be like, yo, shoehead, which that uh, maybe that's kind of embarrassing. It's not QAnon Anonymous, Peter. <laughs> that's like, you know. They're not going to come just... after you. It's okay. <laughs> I just used to be like people have me on talking about my work and this is the first time I've been on it where it's like, yes, you're on here as your wife's husband. <laughs> we, we we do want to hear about your 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 views on like I, I feel like Jay-Z over here. Pedophilia rings and like what's really happening in the world. Oh, because of okay, Jesus. I was like, yeah, and and, Andrew Andrew maybe could have set up that segue just a little bit better. I'm gonna be honest. I followed it, Andrew. I listened to all that stuff, so I I was like, did I miss something? As soon as as you said QAnon, I should have been like, pedophilia. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry. All right. So I'm going to steer the conversation oh. gently back in the direction of what this podcast is actually oh. about. Peter. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> in, in your capacity <laughs> as this week's special guest, as somebody talking about the Halloween franchise. Special guest. <laughs> I know, not chair. just a regular guest. Yeah, <laughs> not just a regular guest, a special guest. Do you have any longstanding association with the Halloween franchise? Like, are you somebody we're guessing as, you know, husband to joey uh, which is the subtitle that is how you specifically asked to be introduced like darren when you bring me on can you introduce me as husband of joey um i did so as somebody who we know from past discussions is familiar with horror films how do you feel about the halloween franchise oh that's right because she's mentioned me before hello uh how do i feel about horror films or halloween? you are a shoe head right <laughs> the halloween franchise love the halloween like so like to kind of start with horror I I like horror, but I don't like being afraid. And one of those is like, oh, this movie's, if there's a monster in it, if there's a slasher in it, I'm like, that's cool. And then, you know, you get like, something will either scare the crap out of me, frighten me, um, or just kind of make me feel weird. And I don't like that. 
Um, but I love monsters. I love ghouls and ghosts and things, which is kind of like why I'm really into John Carpenter. Um, because he is able to kind of make something scary, but also make he's very cool with it. Um, you know, even if you're getting scared by stuff in John Carpenter movies, there's just he just does it with such style that you're kind of like, oh yeah, that also kind of ripped. Um, so with Halloween, I didn't actually see Halloween until I think I was in college, and I went on a big John Carpenter kick. And I was just like, okay, yeah, just check this one out. And I love it. The first one is great. There's so many great shots and scenes in it. Like, even individual moments in that movie, I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, there's... They make fun of it in Scary Movie, but the bit where Laurie looks out the window and he's just standing across the street from the school, I'm just like... And the way the mask looks and everything, it kind of looks like it's a proper human over there and not a guy in a mask. Just And there's just enough of that where you're like, wait, and then he's gone. There's so many things like that in that movie that are so cool. Um, and the rest of the series is kind of weird. <laughs> I was, I was going to ask, so you came to it through Carpenter. Did you immediately go, I have to watch the next, like, 12 of these? Or was it just, like, did you ever, like, complete the Halloween set or did you just watch them through osmosis? So here's the thing. Uh, as of now, from watching 4 and 5, the only one I haven't seen is the next, uh, what, Curse of... Michael Myers? Curse, yes. yeah. Halloween 6, Curse of Michael Myers. So I've seen every other Halloween movie, which is weird. Wow. Initially, I thought that, like, John Carpenter just did Halloween and everything else was other directors. I didn't know he had, like, worked on two in Season of the Witch um, for a long, long time. So I just left them out. <laughs> I have to say, though, you are part of the Halloween Ends tribe. You do like Halloween Ends. Yeah, there's very few of us, Peter. We have to group together. Yeah, I did really like Halloween. As we go along, we will discover the Halloween sequels tend to be quite polarizing. They definitely are. I mean, there was Halloween Kills, and it was like, yeah, he killed killed a lot of guys. (laughs) No spoilers. Andrew hasn't watched it yet, Peter. He hasn't gone so far. Okay, spoilers. Michael Myers kills a lot of people. Why? He, he finally cracked. Yeah, he finally was pushed too far. <laughs> After 10, was, uh, 10 movies of build-up, finally, finally. There's yeah. there's a scene really early in the Halloween Kills, and I won't spoil it. Um, He walks out of a doorway, yes. and you're either just like, oh, oh my god, he's about to do what I think he's about to do. But apparently everyone saw that scene and was like, it's dumb, it's dumb that he, he kills a whole <laughs> lot of people. Yeah. It, yeah <laughs> this is what I wanted from my Halloween movie. And I don't know. I don't know what people want. We have we have all that ahead of us, Andrew. Just wait, just wait. Apparently they want the menacing little girls. Ha! <laughs> yeah, um, this is the... Th- Joy. That, but this is the interesting thing about, like, Halloween 4, is that it is, like, widely regarded by the Halloween fandom as one of the better sequels in the franchise. It was, according four. to... Four. Yeah, the one four. that we are discussing today. Halloween really? 4, The Return of Michael Myers. The f- yes. And the fans think, the fans of Halloween. Fans of Halloween, people you, who like the first Halloween movie. Yes. You have to understand, like, Andrew, there are people whose whole personalities are based around loving either 4, 5, or 6. And you're only going to get more confused the more you watch. because it's, But not it's, one. But yeah, but not one. And it's it's baffling. And obviously they hate kills, they hate ends. And you're like, really? This is where you drew the line? 
I mean, it is. It was, according to AV Club, the second best Halloween movie. According to End of Geek, oh. the fourth best Halloween movie. According to Vulture, the fifth. It was the sixth, according to Variety. It, like, inspired the Halloween Horror Nights maze in 2018, marking the 40th anniversary of the franchise and the release of David Gordon Green's Halloween. Universal Studios decided to model their Halloween maze after Halloween 4 specifically. In 2022, to mark the release of Halloween Ends, the completion of the David Gordon Green trilogy, it was re-released in cinemas as part of a triple feature, John Carpenter's Halloween, Halloween 4, and Halloween 5. It's a movie that has a, a very strong footprint among enthusiastic fans. It's a movie that fans seem to really, really, really like, which is... Not to tip my hand too much, I say, having just said which dot dot dot. Is it people? Uh, sorry. <laughs> what are you going to say? <laughs> I was going to say, is it people who like 80s horror movies? Because like, this, this is... feels like it's the most 80s oh, horror movie of the ones I've seen so far. Well, this is, I mean, the hair and the outfits. Yeah. I said to Peter when we were watching it, I was like, did people still look like this in 88? Like, we were nearly in the 90s. They weren't starting to... But no, apparently not. Apparently it's it was still cool. That's the next one, actually. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because recur- that, that was 89. <laughs> and the one after that, which was more confusing, given that was 1995. Yeah, very um, strange. <laughs> but... Okay, so just a little bit of back context in terms of, like, Halloween 4 and how we got here. It has been six years since the release of Halloween 3. As we mentioned last week, Halloween 3 not warmly received at the time, critically, commercially, and crucially by fans. There was a bit of a backlash to it. We mentioned how the director, Tommy Lee Wallace, is putting together an oral history that will be headlined Halloween 3, Where the Hell is Michael Myers? <laughs> After that fact... Apparently, Nigel Neal, who, again, we talked about at length last week, had a pitch for another follow-up Halloween movie that was going to involve ghosts. I don't know if those ghosts were going to be Irish. I mean, um, that is unconfirmed at times of publication. If they were the villains, then you know they were. Watch <laughs> out, um, Michael, he's Irish. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, um, but now, you would you would assume... That, like, based on what we talked about, the Carpenter uh, and Hill were immediately out of the franchise. They, as as kind of Peter mentioned, you know, they'd done one together. Carpenter had written two while working his way through several six-packs of Budweiser and had stepped in to ghost-direct it. He had, like, ghost-written parts of Halloween 3 and overseen it as producer and brought in Nigel Neal and brought in his editor to direct it. And basically, there was a sense in which he was done with the franchise. I think, like, Deborah Hill very candidly said, we made enough money off 1 and 2 that we were happy and we didn't feel the need to keep going back to the well. Mm. And the general narrative of, like, why it took six years for Halloween 4 to happen is because Carpenter and Hill just kept dragging their feet, refusing to greenlight any premise whatsoever to do with the film franchise. Now, this changes around about 1986-1987, and it changes for two reasons. The first of which is producer Erwin Yablins, who we've mentioned several times in this podcast, threatens to gather a bunch of shareholders to sue Carpenter for holding up production on Halloween 4 and therefore costing the production company money that they could be earning. The second thing that happens is that Carpenter falls into something of a creative uh, commercial slump. After the release of The Thing, he works in the Hollywood studio system. He makes movies like, we mentioned Christine, for example, Starman, Big Trouble in Little China. But after Big Trouble in Little China, after that release is kind of botched, he says, look, I'm done with the major studios. I want to go work with independents. Canon Films a company we are always delighted 
to mention on this podcast, sign a two-picture deal with Carpenter on the agreement that one of those two pictures would be Halloween 4. So Carpenter, in Carpenter's trademark style, basically says, okay, fine, you want a Halloween 4, I will greenlight a Halloween 4. He gets Etchison, who is the guy who wrote the novelization for Halloween 2 and Halloween 3 and the novelization for Carpenter's The Fog, to write a script that will be sly, postmodern, and self-aware. Carpenter begins courting Joe Dante, who we talked about. He wanted to direct Halloween 3 and who almost directed Jaws 3 People Nil to come in and direct it. This movie would feature Haddonfield having banned Halloween and would feature a climax in which Mike... Fucking sense. Yeah, except except you'll see in 2018, what are we going to do? Cancel Halloween? Um, the mayor says no. <laughs> That's a stupid idea. <laughs> uh, it is the mayor from Jaws. He got yeah. re-elected on a platform. Pretty I'm much. Mayor Halloween Vaughn. <laughs> like Mayor Vaughn from Jaws, but I'm Halloween. <laughs> Look, my 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 tie is entirely pumpkin themed, not anchor themed. God. But basically, the cli- not that Tom Hanks character. I'm a different guy. <laughs> that climax of the movie would have taken place at a um, drive-in theater. No word if it would have been screening the original Halloween, but apparently Michael Myers would have just massacred everybody in all of the cars one at a time. Their screams drowned out by the screams that were happening on in the movie that was on screen. Okay. Apparently at the climax... Oh, Joey, you have no idea. At the <laughs> climax of the movie, the police would show up at the drive-in theater and begin shooting Michael Myers with guns, at which point... And I kid you not, he would not only not die, he would also start to grow to the point where he reached 12 feet tall, waving a butcher's knife in. Oh, yeah. Waving (laughs) a butcher's knife in the air. Apparently. Would the knife get bigger? Apparently, yeah. I mean, look, I imagine they would have figured that out in post. That was was like an air. It's holding a little pick. But um, yeah, apparently, like when Carpenter like turned that script in. The producer Ernest Yablins and producer Mustafa Akkad were like, you know what, John, we feel like you're not really taking this particularly seriously. We feel like you're not paying like the proper respect that you need to be paying to this concept of the Halloween franchise, as we mentioned it. So at which point Carpenter just throws up his hand and says, fine, you know what? You're going to sue me if I don't make this. I'm selling my rights. Hill also throws in her her rights and says, I'm selling those too. Um, Masafa Akkad apparently just goes, yeah, I will I will gobble those up like the Monopoly man. <laughs> apparently Ernest Yablins, the or producer who... Hippo. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Yablins, the other producer, the guy who's basically like, look, I don't understand why Carpenter's being so unpleasant. He's a hack who I gave a great opportunity. Why can't he be more grateful? He also throws up his hands and like, look, I can't make this franchise work. At which point, apparently Akkad is like, yeah, I'll take those too. So Akkad ends up in complete control of the Halloween franchise. Apparently... To give a sense of how damaged the franchise brand was, like Universal were offered the rights. They could have bought it for a couple of million dollars and they just turned it down. They opted instead a couple of years later to do Chucky and they took Chucky in house as their own slasher mascot. Andrew's like, I I empathize. Like, (laughs) smart decision. You think they just want the trademark? Yeah. The following. Yeah. Like, even just the word holiday, because, you know, trademarking things that are really generic terms like that is nowadays like almost impossible. There's that old story about like Subudio that the guy wanted to call it the hobby and they were like, no way. And he was like, we'll call it Subudio and it's Italian for the hobby. Ha! <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you know, you own the rights. Like uh, Mariah Carey trying to get Queen of Christmas and they're like, you can't copyright that. Also, it's a hereditary title, Mariah. Yeah, you're not um, really royalty. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for bringing up Mariah Carey at Halloween, but 
<laughs> no, not not she, at all. We, she wouldn't like that. She wouldn't like that no, at all. She would not like well, that. Well, I mean, it's a whole season removed. I mean, the famous example is Disney trying to copyright Day of the Dead um, for Coco. <laughs> Do you not hear about this? No. <laughs> they, they had to. They had to back off when, like, Mexican. How cheeky. Yeah, when Mexican groups were like, "No, you can't trademark our National Day of the Dead," and they were like, "Oh, sorry, that's fair. Sorry, apologies." <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, it it is interesting. We should get a Robert Rodriguez Halloween series, and it's just called Day of Los Muertos. I feel like I would, if Disney were willing to pay, I'd give them St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> you like, personally. If, if, you no, like I, as a country, if there was a plebiscite, like where where we have to, to you know, vote in a referendum. To, and everybody gets like 20 grand. Fix the pot hell. Yeah, this. yeah. There, it's like a win, windfall. Yeah. <laughs> There's a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow, Andrew. A metro. Literally. <laughs> a metro. I love that we'd sell our national holiday for a metro. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so... Or if I could have a Metroid suit. <laughs> <laughs> One of those two things. Yeah. Uh, would it have to roll up into a oh, little yeah, ball? yeah, it's like, we can't have Paddy's Day, but we can spin that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, that would be what people think of when they <laughs> all right so to give a sense of like we talked about like doing this series talk about the halloween sequels it's important to understand where the genre is at each moment like one of the things i love about this series is it's a chance to check in with where mainstream american horror is at a given moment where it is in 1978 where it is in 1981 where it is in 1982 so in the six years since halloween three the golden age of the slasher is over Slasher movies are done, dusted their yesterday's news. Major studios aren't investing in original properties anymore. They're not making cheap, disposable slasher movies that you can throw away. I am not going to spend six minutes <laughs> listing off random slasher movies that were produced in the three years between Halloween and Halloween 2. Aww. What I am going to do is I'm going to waste a good three minutes <laughs> rhyming off all of the slasher sequels Yay. that were released between 1982 and 1988. Because this was the shift in the business. Hollywood went sequel mad. They were just snorting those sequels up their noses. These horror I properties... I you were going to list all the original titles between 1982 and 1988 that weren't slashers. That's fair. Um, so let's start with... Uh, <laughs> Don't encourage Ghostbusters. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're the but worst. of money. <laughs> <laughs> Top Gun. Um, but, okay. So basically, Hollywood goes sequel mad. Everything is a franchise. Like, that's the way you print money. And they're like, what about, what if we take all of these old, like, cheap, grimy slasher movies and we just throw them into the mill and make as much money as possible? So I'm going to run through these very quickly. In June 1983, you have Psycho 2 arriving 23 years after the original Desperate to Cash In on it. In August 1983, you have Boogeyman 2, Electric Boogeyman Lou. Really? Um, no, Revenge of the Boogeyman. Aww, um, yeah, that's you going. Have, not Electric Boogaloo. No, you have no. Uh, Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which as we will discover momentarily further down this list, is labeled. The last one ever. Uh, that's August 1983. You have um, A Nightmare on Elm Street, released in November 1984. You have Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, released in March 1985. That's less than a year after the final chapter, which is quite impressive. <laughs> the Hills of Eyes 2, which is Wes Craven returning to his franchise after eight years in August 1985. A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, in November 1985. House by Steve Miner in 
in February 1986. Hell yeah. April <laughs> Fool's Day, which is a paramount spoof of their Friday the 13th franchise. Mm. Like, their Friday the 13th franchise is so successful. They're milking it so hard. They're like, what if there's a parallel comedy franchise that we have running? That's March 1986. You have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, released 12 years after the original, directed by Tobe Hooper. Yeah. You have Friday the 13th, part, like, 6, which is Jason Lives, directed, released August 1986. Not only do we get a series of Slumber Party Massacre sequels, we get a spin-off, Sorority House Massacre, lands in cinemas in 1986, that franchise opportunity. You have The Stepfather, in January 1987, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors in February 1987. Hell yeah. <laughs> you have Evil Dead 2 Dead by Dawn, Sam Raimi, March 1987. Also, Silent Night <laughs> Deadly Night Part 2. That's April 1987. It's garbage day. <laughs> Possibly my favorite title in the history of cinema. Yes. House 2 The Second Story yes. releases so in August 1987. So good. Slumber Party Massacre 2 is out in August 1987 as well. Friday the 13th The New Blood which is May 1988 Sleepaway Camp 2 Unhappy Campers. I love the subtitle there. That's <laughs> just released case, August. Just in case you were unsure about with the tone of the film. <laughs> yes. I think that is important. Yeah. People, someone could be looking at that going oh that sounds like a nice lark yeah sounds like a babysitter's club book yeah it does yeah. this is before like commonsense.org and all of those american websites oh, you want to take the kids to sleepaway camp too it seems like a good time for everybody involved <laughs> uh, and then obviously a nightmare on elm street for the dream master so like cinemas are just chock full of all this schlock sequel slasher movie stuff and it really does feel like halloween for the return of Michael Myers. He's in this movie. We promise, definitely, absolutely, please come see it. <laughs> Feels like that was the extended title, I believe, in several European markets. Believes that, like, it, it's very much kind of trying to cash in on that. But, Joey, do you remember the first time you saw Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers? It's a good question because when I was re watching this earlier in the week, I was like, I don't think I've seen this film before. But I recognize parts of it. So I was going, have I? What? During the pandemic, we did this thing called Bad Movie Friday, where we do a double bill every Friday. And we did a whole Nicolas Cage season. It was amazing. Yes. At one point, we did um, Resurrection and H2O. And I could have sworn we did four and five. But if we did, I must have slept through it. Nah, we didn't. <laughs> like, you we might definitely not didn't. You might not remember either. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I... So to answer your question, I don't know. I definitely, definitely have seen it before because there were bits that I definitely remembered, but I couldn't tell you when. Having said that, it does kind of bleed into five and six. Like when we get to five, I'll talk about it. But there were parts in five where I was like, oh, the, the cult is, isn't coming yet. What's, when does the cult come? So yes, to answer your question, I don't know. Uh, it will shock <laughs> absolutely nobody on this podcast to discover that this movie came together very very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, when 4 was greenlit, there were plans to do... Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was originally going to return. That was the plan anyway. Uh, so the plan was to send Michael Myers to Chicago. It was going to be Michael oh. Takes the Windy City. Uh, and would feature like rock stars playing themselves. They wanted like Alice Cooper to play himself, getting brutally murdered by Michael Myers. Uh, that unfortunately did not come to pass when Jamie Lee Curtis was like, no, I am a serious actor now. I will not appear in your low-rent sequel to the <laughs> Halloween movies not involving John Carpenter. But apparently the version of the film that was released passed through several hands. 
all of those hands moving incredibly quickly. Shem Bitterman, who is one of the great names in Hollywood. Wow. <laughs> he apparently knocked out, knocked out a draft, the first draft of this script, in a week. Wow. He turned it around in a week. But look, you may think, that's very fast. They they obviously spent a lot of time polishing it. And you would be, you'd be right. They did go to writer... Alan B. McElroy in like February 1988 and asked him to do a polish on it. Of course, there was a writer's strike happening in 1988, so he had to turn his final draft in in 11 days. Um, so, you know, a lot of time, a lot of care spent on this script. And I think it I think it shows um, in the film as finished. We will say, obviously, that Donald Pleasance returns. He gets title billing. He gets top billing. He mm-hmm. is Halloween. But he apparently, he was reportedly he signed on when he was told that Carpenter loved the script. Then apparently he was talking to Carpenter because I believe they were working on Prince of Darkness together around the same time. And Carpenter was like, no, but you should take the money. And Pleasance was like, fine, I'll do that too. That also works for me. But yeah, okay. So before we jump into the spoiler zone, three questions to get us started about Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. So Peter, do you think Halloween 4 belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made. Ever made? Yeah, we probably should have prepped you before I threw that question at you, but (laughs) that is the normal format of the podcast. We don't only cover Halloween movies. Um, (laughs) They usually cover like... And they never will be made. They usually cover like proper Oscar bait movies. Like on on a list that I'd put like Buckaroo Banzai on? Yeah. Yeah. Or, I don't know, the Bratz movie? Like, That's I don't know. <laughs> there will be a question about your own two films. There will yeah. be your own two. This is uh, like, you're creating one for posterity. This is like, this is like oh, this so the aliens come yes. and they're like, hey, show yeah, us. And they're yeah, like, and they're like, so Peter. Show us your culture. Yeah. Oh, don't get Andrew started talking about aliens. <laughs> the real. <laughs> they're right there. Um, no, God, no, Jesus. <laughs> All right, then. If people, if people are going to look, people have already tried to find out where I live, so I don't care. <laughs> that happened to me once. It's been, it's, it was nine years ago, and I've moved, but you know, <laughs> so you come at me, but yeah, like, what this movie? Okay, I should preface this by saying, pay more attention to five. <laughs> but yeah, this is, um, I don't know, you, you want to see a kid get scared for about. Well, because I watched both, it was a kid getting scared for about three hours. It's it's a lot. <laughs> and there are better movies if you want to see kids get scared. You know, there's this movie called Jurassic Park. <laughs> it's got kids in it. They get scared. Pretty scary. I, yeah. I mean, I mean, Peter, is your hot take that Jurassic Park is better than Halloween 4? Is that the spicy take you were Halloween serving? 4, The Return of Michael Myers? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, look, you know what it has going for it? It, it delivers on its <laughs> he is in it <laughs> he is definitely like, Yo, in you're it. gonna see michael myers in this flick and I, then he shows I mean, up you're the- like oh michael although you might be confused because it kind of doesn't look like michael myers yeah, it really doesn't it really doesn't I'm- the poster of the movie is quite literally Michael Myers' masked face and the tagline, but 10 it's... years ago, he changed the face of Halloween tonight. We... And this text is like five times larger. He's back. It is very much like, please don't yell at us again. But the, the mask, it's different. On that palette? Yeah. Yes, it's a different, it's the original mask on the poster. And then you see this fucking <laughs> paper mache, <laughs> like... It, it doesn't like, doesn't fit him. It doesn't fit him properly. I can't remember if this one is the worst one or if, like Resurrection is the worst one, but this is pretty bad. Okay. 
So, uh, or, uh, to answer your question, I don't know. No. <laughs> All right. And Joey, what about yourself then? No, absolutely not. <laughs> it's not even among the 250 best horror movies ever made. It's not even if if there if there end up being two hundred and fifty best like if they're sorry if there end up being two hundred and fifty Halloween movies it probably wouldn't even crack that it would be a two hundred fifty one. <laughs> Is this your least favorite Halloween movie possibly with the exception of three maybe? I mean I did find it easier to watch than three because I just find three profoundly irritating. <laughs> but I agree with Peter that it is just kind of this poor child being terrorized for ninety minutes, which is kind of tough going. I don't like seeing kids getting scared. I don't, I don't know. It's yeah, and I mean, obviously, like we'll get into it, but they kind of pull their punches with the ending as well. So that's kind of yeah. I mean, the question is though, is that a problem with four or a problem with five? Yes, it's that that is a good question. No, that is a good question. It's a good point. But Andrew, what about yourself? Do you think this is one the two hundred and fifty greatest movies ever made? Uh, no, I, I I don't think this is a good movie. <laughs> I think. It's, it's bad. Like, it's very bad. It's bad. It's very bad. It's a crap movie. It sucked. <laughs> but but do you think it's worse than Rob Zombie's Halloween? Which he hasn't seen yet. Which you haven't seen yet, you can guess. <laughs> Which I have not seen yet. <laughs> Whoops. Well, no. <laughs> I, 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 sorry, what's the question? Do I think it's worse or do I think it's better? Do you think it's worse? Don't think it's worse. Oh, really? Oh, okay. very controversial. Yeah. I, I, feel, I, I feel like... I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and guess that Rob Zombie has like a, a kind of like an original vision for for how he would like his Halloween movie to be and whether I would agree with kind of that or whether it would cater to my own taste. <laughs> he, I uh, I'm get I'm imagining that he he kind of knows how to uh, make a movie and and like the this movie I feel like is so forgettable. And it's a good way of putting it. Throw away yeah. that um, that it's difficult to think of of kind of a, a a worse version. In fact, I would like it if it were worse. Probably, yeah, I would like it more if it yeah. was schlockier. Well, yeah, I agree with you. Well, then, do we have some treats for you, Andrew, in the weeks ahead? Oh yes. <laughs> um, oh, what yes. if Halloween four but worse? Andrew <laughs> says, staring at the monkey. Ball. Yeah, no, it's just <laughs> like lazy. Is 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 what this movie is? I feel like. I, yeah, I mean, I I do not care for yourself? this. Yeah. I don't care for this movie. I don't know if I'd describe it as as lazy. Like, I do think they tried. It's directed by, it's directed by Dwight. Sure, Hayden. like yeah. I'm I'm go- willing to accept that whenever anybody makes a movie, they try to make a good movie. Um, but well, it like feels, the but, fact the fact that there are four credited uh, four people credited for the story, like that's never a good sign. Right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like once that popped up on the screen, I was like, uh oh. This probably isn't going to be very focused. Although five five does kind of give it a run for its money <laughs> in the focus department. But like I, I do think like again, and it, it's worth noting that the director Dwight Little was hired. He directed Bloodstone, which was a movie like he shot in India oh. for very cheap. Okay. So Akkad was like, "Yeah, you seem like a man who can get a Halloween movie turned around incredibly quickly during a writer's strike. That sounds like a plan. Let's do that." He would go on to direct movies including the Steven Seagal vehicle Marked for Death, Oh, Free Willy 2, The Adventure Home, Anaconda's, <gasps> the sequel oh. to Anaconda. Oh, uh, oh. and they did Tekken. Aliens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking I I had the thought earlier that there could have been a things but um <laughs> but but, but, um, but it, there was a commercial failure 
But yes, you would think after a number of years, once it's become like cult. Uh, well, the thing they did made a prequel to the thing. Yeah, they did make a prequel to the thing. That was that quite a lot later. Wasn't that it? was yeah, twenty twenty eleven, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, yeah. So basically, little, and again, little's talked about how he was very heavily inspired by Carpenter's original, and I think like that is one of the things that is most striking about this movie is that it feels very much like it's a let's go back to basics and let's remake as much of the original film as possible. Let's hit as many of the same beats as possible. But now it like well, it's in the tile. Yeah, he's back. He's back. <laughs> Um, like and it, it's a 10 an, 10 year anniversary thing like the movie makes a huge deal of it being 10 years since the original halloween the movie that you know and love uh, but it like it, if you if you like yeah if you like that movie and but don't like movies and <laughs> you, you you just you don't like ideas i guess yeah. <laughs> or new things or different right. approaches yeah. or style like if you don't like style that's that's unfair to, to Dwight yeah, Little, per, but it is perhaps this, it is. I'm 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 sorry. I, I I don't want to be a complete Debbie Downer. No, no. I mean, I do not. I don't like this movie at all. Yeah. Is the thing, and I do not. I struggle a bit with the fact that it is well loved. In that, like, I look at it and that's I think wild. That, I I just can't understand. Um, that's I, horror fans for you. Seriously, they latch onto things, and then a whole load of people are behind them. Oh. And then we've got Halloween three being reappraised. Well, I mean, I, I'm I entirely in, in favor of that. Yeah, I know, I know. That was that was well played. I, I appreciate that. That was that was a very different thing. Joey. It isn't. I, I think you'll find same. actually, Joey. Um, but but I I do think like I I watch Halloween four and it is just it is so lifeless and it's like the previous three movies, whatever you thought about them, they had a certain style. They had a certain craft. They had a certain technique. They were very carefully like shot, framed, like edited that they had a particular style, rhythm and groove that kind of set them apart from other movies. Even Halloween two, which I I didn't necessarily love looked good Mm. and it knew how to frame a shot and it knew how to use light and shadow and silhouette. Whereas this movie is just kind of plain. Like it's just very matter of fact there aren't really that many creative or inventive moments in it, which is really frustrating when it's like you're bringing this character back after, you know, he's been away for seven years. You should be doing something interesting with him. Like you're, you claim to love Carpenter's original Halloween and Carpenter's original Halloween worked because it was so stylish. Mm. You know, you had the, the Panaglide camera, for example, you had those perspective shots, you had like the care and craft of those like stealth oneers that we mentioned, which were just like really good in terms of like hitting all the marks and just being basically competent. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. And this movie, like, we'll talk about when we get into the spoiler zone, but I do wonder if like part of its appeal is that it's a movie that thrived on VHS. Yes. Like it's a movie that feels like it was designed for VHS. It found a huge audience on VHS. It performed incredibly well. It arrived like perfectly synchronized with the VHS wave. And I'm wondering if like part of the reason why a generation of like horror fans have latched onto it is because for many years, this would have been the Halloween that they watched on VHS when they first got VHS cassette players or when they watched the Halloween marathon on AMC Fear Fest. Because, of course, I'm a huge nerd and I went back and looked at TV schedules. But, like, basically, the AMC Fear Fest, uh, which was, uh, like, their festival of horror movies they screen on AMC every year. I went back and looked at the schedule for it. And Is that sure. next Thursday? Or... That is... No, that's 1980. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> But like basically every year they'd screen Halloween movies and 
every year. Like some years they would screen Halloween 3. Some years they would screen Halloween Resurrection. Some years they would screen Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. But every year without fail, they would screen the original Halloween, Halloween 4, and Halloween 5. And I do wonder if that is why this movie kind of endures in the way that it does. Because it it has that kind of like interesting, like cultural schlocky marker of being accessible. Like at a point where movies like this were becoming readily accessible. But enough of that. Next question. Peter, your own personal 250, your own 250 favorite movies. Would this be on there? Okay, so number one. Uh... <laughs> Stop it, you. <laughs> no, would this be on it? Yeah. A just of horror? No, of all. Well, of either. Of all movies, but. <laughs> because I was like, with horror, I'm like, I, I'd struggle to think of 250 horror movies, so maybe. <laughs> just to fill it up. <laughs> just, but just a film? No. No. You, no. You can, you can exclude any documentaries or snuff films. <laughs> uh, no, oh, I definitely would. Of, um, thank you, Andrew. None, none of the the rules of the two fifty don't allow. Yeah, that's that's the only reason you would exclude. Yeah, okay. So we can't put yeah. faces of death uh-huh. on there. <laughs> faces of Jeff, male Twitter name. Um, yeah, no, I would put this. No, I would. No, I, there are too many good movies to put on that list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds really shady. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> And Joey. Uh, no, but while you mentioned oh. AMC Fear Fest, it reminded me, I think I remember when I first saw this. Oh. I mentioned before that uh, there was a time when I was in Florida every year for Halloween for this punk festival. And when you're in the States at Halloween, they play horror movies all day long on the TV. And they're not, yeah. I mean, I never saw them cut. They were the same, whatever. But they would play all of the Halloween movies. I, and I reckon that's where I first saw it. Like midday. I can, <laughs> I can guarantee they were cut for ditties and swear words. Oh, sorry, you're right. There was, <laughs> not for violence. Sorry, sorry, you're absolutely right. There was no nudity. That's correct. But I mean, I was thinking of the gore. The gore was still in there. All yeah. the violence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. I saw, I, I, I re- repeated this story a number of times. I watched American History X <laughs> and you have like the whole like curb stomp. And then there's like a few scenes later. It's like, this is bull spit. <laughs> um, um, and, uh, oh, they've, they've turned all of the curse words around. I've like the violence was fine. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah they're messed up over the there. Swastika's okay. It's yeah, wild. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Uh, evidently, it is. Evidently, it is. Can't say piss words yeah. in this movie. <laughs> no, <laughs> America is a, an interesting place. Is how well, I would describe. Presumably, it. like the Puritans wouldn't have allowed swearing, but they would have allowed like killing natives yeah so, um, so logically it continues and extrapolates yeah, hey, that sounds like puritans all right <laughs> <laughs> andrew what about yourself would this be on your own personal 250 favorite movies oh, or God, on your no. 100 least favorite no 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 i would would, would i put it on my least favorite um like yeah it's it, it's probably going to be on like a bottom 100 of movies that we've watched for the podcast certainly that's probably fair, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it it has to be right. We haven't we like most of the movies were were kind of you know we we can we can consider them being under two fifty, <laughs> although increasingly <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're just not talking about. We're those just movies. not talking about. It. What about uh? What about Jeepers Creepers Reborn? Oh, Jeepers or, Creepers or Winnie Reborn. the Pooh, Blood and Honey. 
Andrew's already <laughs> repressed the memory of them. I feel like, no, I definitely put uh, We Need a Poo, Blood and Honey above uh, uh, this. Above this? Yeah. yeah. Really? Wow. wow. Oh my God. Okay. I have that's to check that one out. Because it, it's. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 Peter's like, that's a recommendation. It's not good, but like, it's kind of. It, it's original. Like just and 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 that's not a criticism of sequels. Like you can make a sequel and like do something interesting. Well, we, with we it. just covered Halloween three last exactly. week. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, and for myself, I mean, no, it would not be anywhere near my my two hundred and fifty favorite movies. No, I don't think this is the worst of the Halloween movies. I think that like five, six, and Resurrections are worse than it. Uh, but I also don't think that it's particularly good. I think it's dull is the main problem with it. I think it is mostly competent, I think, vaguely. I think it's more competent than a lot of the movies that follow, but it is also less interesting uh, for that, which sounds like I'm damning with faint praise. I don't want to seem like I'm dragging the movie. Um, All right, then. And then, Peter, final question before we jump into the s'more zone. If listeners have not seen Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, would you recommend that they pause the podcast and stream it on Lionsgate Plus? Oh, pay people money for this? Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about the things I used to do to get my hands on movies when I was a, a kid. Not now that I have a job. Um, if you ask us if we're a cop, and then we have to tell you. Oh, they have to tell you if you're a cop. I mean, you're listening to these, so I assume you're either going to. Or you probably should. I don't know. Is, I like is the it fatalism that... of I'm not going to talk you out of it. It's like you're going <laughs> to yeah. do it. You've already There's made up your mind. Certainly it's considering like, it. The context would be nice. You're like a you're like a dare a dare sponsor where you're like, I know you're going to do the drugs. I just want you to do the drugs safely. <laughs> oh God! If only they did that in dare. No dare. They're like, if you do one drug, you will die. But in twenty years, you go to hell first. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work because kids would like smoke a bit of weed and they were like that's it that's the end of my life so watch <laughs> i may as well so sure. watch halloween 4 and you're gonna die so watch halloween 4 <laughs> but yeah you might as well whenever i do watch listen to watch alongs i always watch the thing like i like the context but again i was a crazy kind of person who watched like very recently finished watching all the dragon ball and dragon ball z i watched every single episode because I wanted the context. I'm one of those people. I'm like, skip lists. I'm like, fuck skip lists. I'm watching every episode. How long did that take? And that's about 900 episodes of a show. And it took me about five years. <laughs> <laughs> and but was it worth it, Peter? Was it worth it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Dragon Ball. Dra- I mean, Dragon Ball's fun. And then you get to Dragon Ball Z and it just rules. Like, I cried at parts of it. And I didn't think I would cry watching a kid's cartoon about guys punching each other really hard. <laughs> but at uh, Halloween 4... You know what? You should not watch, Peter. You should not watch Dragon Ball Evolution. That'll make you cry for other reasons. So that came out way before I watched this. I didn't have Cartoon Network growing up, so that's why I wanted to like actually get the context. I wanted to know what my friends are thinking when I was in first or second class uh, and they were freaking out about like, oh, you went Super Saiyan 3? And I'm like... I vaguely know what that is, but I needed to know. Give me five years. <laughs> I'll get back to you. Yeah. I'll, I'll be right all, back. All pale. <laughs> Wizened. So, yeah, I'm like, if you want the context, why not? Yeah, you'd say uh, why not? get the facts how, rather than just say wait, no. Wait, hang on. How much is this on 
on, on MGM. On Lionsgate. On Lionsgate. Oh, Jesus. How much is this? How much is it to rent? Oh, no, no, no. It's a subscription it's service. It's a subscription. But I you can, also, free, you can also watch Shining Veil. Power. <laughs> Books um, one through five. Yeah. We should mention Lionsgate are not sponsoring us yet, despite <laughs> Andrew's best efforts. Yeah. They, they just want them to really bad. <laughs> Andrew is just like, we got to get the picture there. We got to show we can pump those like numbers. If we, we, we also if we... love Shudder. <laughs> <laughs> we do also love Shudder. Shudder's actually great. <laughs> Use offer codes. Uh... <laughs> we support the strikes. Yes. <laughs> that, that, are, that are possibly <laughs> over. <laughs> By uh, the time this comes yeah. out. But Hopefully. Joey, <laughs> what about yourself? Would you recommend listeners pause the podcast and stream Halloween 4 to a local device? I think if they're completists, then yes. But I think this podcast is going to be more entertaining than watching Halloween 4. Wow. Confident. Um, so, <laughs> so <laughs> a part of me thinks if you're curious, then yeah, absolutely. If you want to watch all of them, then yeah. But if you're thinking, oh, I'm a bit on the fence and I would say, no, just listen to this. It'll be more fun. Halloween four found at the bottom of a well riddled with bullets. Um, <laughs> wow. I, I, I also want to note that, like, I love that not only part of the branding of like Michael's back, we swear we're not doing any of that nonsense we did last time, is that they've swapped from Roman numerals to just numbers. Yeah. Where it's like Halloween 2 is like Halloween II, Halloween 3 is Halloween III, but Halloween 4 is just Halloween and the number 4. It's like, we swear we're not doing any fancy stuff. Come see our horror movie, we Please. promise. <laughs> Please. Uh, got, we haven't got any notions. Yeah, these they aren't three, three slashes or anything like that. <laughs> or four even. Yeah. Well, because they're the Carpenter font, they're kind of like, they're Roman fonts. They're very much like typewriter font, which I kind of love. But Andrew, if listeners have not watched Halloween for the return of Michael Myers, would you recommend they pause the podcast and stream Power Book 4 to their local guys? <laughs> Like I, I, I'd hesitate to recommend this, but I, but I think the, if you're going to make sense of the Halloween series, which is kind of what we're doing, then, then like join us on that journey. <laughs> um, and it like, they, you know what there, I, I, if, if I were telling people not to watch it, what if there are those dumb fucks who like this movie? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Jesus. Um, <laughs> I, I, I could. Sorry, I beg your pardon. The it's whole fine to like. Community uh, is going to be like. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Andrew. No, um, no, 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 no. Let him come. <laughs> <laughs> no, but people should be able to like what they like. You of know, course. and and if 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 people are part of that group, then. <laughs> That group um, of idiots who are wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, we then, are talking about Halloween three again, aren't we? <laughs> then um yeah, the uh I I I I like I, I wouldn't <clears throat> recommend, you know, somebody from the like just generally to people to watch this, but seeing as we have like freaks listening, <laughs> um, yes, yes, you should watch it. You're going to watch it anyway, whatever I say. Um, so yeah, 
That's fair. I think, yeah, my recommendation is if you're with us for the long haul, that sure. is, if you're not going to skip the next three weeks, you could probably go away, watch Halloween 3 and join us for Halloween H2O in three or four mm-hmm. weeks and not miss a thing. But if you are on board with the 250 train, choo-choo, and want to watch along with us, <laughs> like Halloween 4 is pretty foundational. You may want to tap out afterwards. You may want to tap out after Halloween 5, but you can't jump into Halloween 5 or Halloween 6 without seeing Halloween 4. So that would be my extremely qualified recommendation of this. If you are... Oh, does, does four set up five? <laughs> does it? That is a question. <laughs> We're that may be a spoiler. <laughs> In the... Spoiler zone! Okay, so Joey. Yes. What is Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers, about for you? Oh God, I wish I could say something really deep here, but... I got nothing. Um, <laughs> Halloween 4 is about them, for me, is about them reestablishing Michael Myers and just like really, really messing it up <laughs> um, because the kills are terrible and he's not scary. Like for me, of all the slasher villains, Michael Myers is the scariest. And in this, he just he just isn't scary. He looks silly. And even though Danielle Harris, God bless her, she's acting her ass off. Um, I mean, she probably was really terrified, <laughs> to be fair to her. Um but yeah, it's for me, it's about reestablishing somebody who didn't really need to be reestablished because in the first one, Carpenter did it so brilliantly. And then in this one, even as something as simple as the fact that the mask doesn't quite fit his head, even that makes him ridiculous to me. I mean, the mask is famously, famously troubled in this movie. Mm. Um, they got Don Post, who was, again, who worked on the masks. He was the guy who found the Shatner mask for the first movie, painted it white. He's the guy who did the masks for Halloween 3 in return for those sweet, sweet merchandising rights, because, of course, that movie was going to turn out to be a hit. But he was the one who modeled the mask this time as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it didn't turn out particularly well. There is a famous sequence in this movie. Why? where Michael Myers throws Donald Pleasance through a glass door in the school. And if you're watching that scene, Michael has bleached blonde hair. Yes. Because... Oh. It's wild. Yeah. Because somebody, the runner grabbed one of the masks off, like the mask stand, didn't look at what it was, gave it to the actor who put it on, they filmed the scene, and they didn't realize until they were in post-production that it was like, oh, by the way, the only shot we have of him throwing Donald Pleasance through this, like, sugar glass window is him wearing this bleach blonde Michael Myers mask that we just randomly grabbed. I assume as well, it's like, we, we've, I hope we uh, that they had... Went Super Saiyan. <laughs> I hope we, I... I hope at that point that they had given Donald Pleasance all the money. So yeah. like they can hardly do that again. I hope <laughs> Donald Pleasant made out like a bandit. On oh this. my god. It's the fact that they don't there's no explanation for why either of them are alive. It's just like, yeah, yeah, no, they're alive, deal with it. There's that great shot of Mike um when he's in bed and he looks like Dr. Drake Ramore when he's in a coma, he's got the like white thing over his face. I thought he was going <laughs> to pop up and go, I'm back, baby. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I don't like being the guy who's like, I would prevent this horror movie from happening. But if I were in charge of like corrections in like Illinois and I had a famous inmate who's like one big claim to fame was that precisely 10 years ago he escaped from custody and then one day after 10 years ago he murdered 16 people. I would arrange for his transfer to take place in like the middle of March. 
Yeah. I'd be like, you know what? If we're going to transfer him, maybe do it like March, April, you know, nice sunny time of year. You're superstitious. (laughs) (laughs) What are the odds of it happening twice? With a lot of, with a lot of security as well. But there was no security. It was just like that doctor and that nurse and they're sort of wheeling him along in like really bad weather. Immediately escapes. Uh, I love, by the way, that like the entire plot happens because Loomis doesn't read memos as well, which I really like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if he had just filed his paperwork properly, he would have noticed. That said, I, I, kind of, I am sympathetic to the idea that that man must Hands be... Handsome imp- like a yellow poster. He's like, that's not a... Uh. I filled out this form in triplicate twice. I filled out this form six times. Six times. <laughs> <laughs> like, can you imagine how difficult it is to work with Loomis just on a daily basis? Being like, you know, 10 years, 10 years, Michael Myers hasn't done anything, but he's working with you in Smith Grove Sanitarium or whatever. And it's like, so you're in the cafeteria just making small talk with Loomis. And it's like, so did you, did you catch like uh, Bosom Buddies last night? And it's like, <laughs> I have seen true evil. And it's like, it was pretty bad. I didn't think it was pure evil. Talks <laughs> on two legs. Um, <laughs> It's like, okay, not a Tom Hanks fan. Not a Tom Hanks fan. I get it. I also love that his boss is like, maybe he'll retire. Maybe he'll die. Just be out of my hair. They all... Won't be my problem anymore. They openly hate him. Yeah. Like, they're all just so irritated by him. I f- yeah, I feel... You think... No, go ahead there, Peter. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, do you think that maybe giving Donald Pleasant a prosthetic burn over one of his eyes was a bit too close to blow them. Yeah. Because <laughs> for a yes. brief second, I was like, they just made him look like blow And then I saw the rest of his face. I was like, oh, oh okay, he's fucked up. <laughs> he looks a piece of face. But why not make him? It was very reminiscent. I mean, they should. He should look like Freddy Krueger. Yes. <laughs> that. Well, I wrote that. I wrote that down. I yes. was like, that's his only injury. What they they did. It's just like this. They apparently had a more advanced prosthetic, and they were like, no, it doesn't work. Kids won't be able to recognize movie star Donald Pleasance, and he's right above the title. What's the point in having Donald Pleasance in movie if the kids don't recognize and, him? And that's who they're going for. Their children are going to see Donald Pleasance. Children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he famously is so good to children. Which I'm sure we'll talk about next week. Um, yeah. Right home. Did I he mean, kill there again? Is, there is the moment in this one where like Jamie's running from the house and he, like she's running from the house. She's just been terrified by Michael Myers and Donald Pleasance in a trench coat holding a gun grabs her really tightly and screams in her ear. You can't go home. He'll be waiting for you there. Yes. Um, I, I wrote that down. Why does he tell her? No, he went to your house. It's like, what? She's never going to sleep again. She didn't need to know that. She can't go back to the house, man. I, I know. If she goes back to the house, he'll He's get probably it. murdering your parents as we speak. Exactly. It's like, everyone's dead. It's, it's great advice. It's like, hey, Jamie, check out this chainsaw and hockey mask. <laughs> <laughs> he does kind of look like Jason, actually. When he stands up and he has like a bag on his head, kind of, he is it like I don't know what it is. Is it just his mask from the hospital? But he kind of looks like Jason in uh in Friday too before he gets his hockey mask. I mean, and again, I kind of as the Halloween franchise goes on, there's this kind of wonderful tension where like Loomis is entirely right, but you need to continuously justify why nobody listens to him. Mm. So as, as the movies progress, he becomes like increasingly insane. He's deranged. Yeah. Yes. He's Cassandra. Yes, he is Cassandra. Absolutely. 
I mean, there's the moment where, like, he's talking to, to Sheriff... Oh, no, it's the next one where he's talking to Sheriff Meeker. But, like, even here where he's wandering around and everyone's like, look, this guy who killed 16 people 10 years ago, it doesn't seem like that big a deal. And you're like, wait, this seems like it should be a bigger deal. And then Pleasance is like, it should be the biggest deal the town has ever faced. And you're like, okay, maybe it isn't that big a deal, Donald. <laughs> um, maybe you need to rein it in just a little bit. But, like, this is a slasher like he, movie. In this world, he does have currency, though fair yeah well he i feel like he should he should be more respected than he is like they do treat him like he's kind of a quack but he was correct in 78 i like it's not like it's not like michael didn't go and kill you know what i mean like they're acting like he's nuts and it's like oh just get over it that was 10 years ago like i I tried everything and gave up <laughs> now he's the worst yeah i, I tried everything to do and i'm all me. out of ideas yeah <laughs> i mean there is that there's that wonderful line again from um malcolm mcdowell who plays him in the reboots where he's like Aww. you're talking about playing a character whose life work is michael myers this is not a successful man by any no. measure like his no, greatest accomplishment in life is that he enabled michael myers so I can kind of buy that people are like, you know what, maybe we're not going to listen to the man whose like, sole responsibility was the psychiatric care of this kid who murdered one girl and then escaped and murdered 16 people. Like, what, is it 18 years later? 15 years later? It's 15. 15. It's 15. Uh, 15 years later. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess you're right. I guess his track record isn't great. But it's still, I, I suppose the problem is that the movie doesn't make a strong enough case for why you wouldn't believe him. Because he can't be two things at once. He can't be this raving lunatic and also be correct about everything he's saying. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And they don't. Again, it's probably a writing thing. Like, there's that great line early on, it's so corny, uh, Jesus ain't got nothing to do with this place. And it's like, okay, um, someone thinks they're making a serious film. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? It's like, um, it's like that moment in Deep Blue Sea where he goes, what in God's creation? And someone goes, not God's, ours. And you're like, okay, I totally get the tone of this movie. Oh, but I with Halloween, deep blue sea, man. <laughs> I love deep blue sea. <laughs> but, but with Halloween 4, you're like, that's not what this movie is. Like, look at this set. It looks like a soap opera. It looks like Days of Our Lives. Joey? Again, again, Dr. Drake Amore. You have some crappy soap opera um, actors. Wade. Yes. Early uh, on, absolutely. Sucks. That guy, <laughs> that guy with like the weird teeth. He's given it loads. God bless him. I mean, oh, where did they get him from? Yeah, he was like a shining light. Carmen, where did he come from? <laughs> well, he's been acting since 1969. He did appear nice. as the messenger in Beetlejuice, for example. He also starred in Alligator 2. He was Old Man Withers in Wayne World. He was in Edward. Oh, he's done a lot of work with Tim Burton, actually, which is pretty cool. That's um, cool. And his last, final, his final film role was... Back by Midnight, but then he also appeared in Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights. So what a very career that man has had. But An esteemed career. Joey, this is the thing where it's like, am I reading too much into this movie? And the answer oh, is go. inevitably going to be yes. But you <laughs> mention it there. What is this movie about, Joey? It is about America in 1988. It's about oh. Reagan's. Oh. America. Oh, here we go. Here we go. It is, oh. <laughs> I, I, it is about an America that is grappling with the question of faith and belief 
and in particular the role that those things play in ordinary life. Now, we've talked about the previous Halloween movies. We'll talk about the future Halloween movies. In general, the Halloween franchise is about paganism. It's about Samhain, Samhain, if you will, the festival, the Celtic festival. It's about all the Irish people and all the evil that Ireland has exported around the world through the celebration of Samhain. Hell yeah. But basically, it's... It is this idea of paganism that happens throughout these films. Like, Michael Myers will eventually be tied to resurrection myths. We talked about how in the novelization of the original Halloween, he was tied to ancient Celtic druids and blood rituals and all this sort of stuff. The Cult of Thorn, stuff that's coming down the line. But what's different about Halloween 4 is Halloween 4 seems to explicitly position him in a religious context. And you mention that moment early on where they say Jesus has got nothing to do with this. But you also have the fact that you have the reverend character um, who picks up, uh, obviously, Loomis and who drives with him, where you have that, like, I'm driving with God. You have that kind of conversation about the idea of Armageddon. And for the first time, like, obviously, Loomis has always categorized Myers as evil. But in that Carpenter-esque way where evil is like the absence of something, it's a void, it's a shape. Um, Whereas here it frequently seems like he's being presented as a devil figure, a demon figure. Uh, Most obviously, the corruption of Jamie. And again, Jamie's introductory scene, she's introduced staying up late, but she goes to bed. What does she do before she goes to bed? She prays. There is this sense that's running through the movie of this kind of religious subtext. And again, something that was bubbling through American consciousness at the time. You had the rise of the religious right. You had Reagan bringing, like, Christianity into, like, public discourse. Like, Walter, Walter Mondale in 1984 complained... Reagan is weird, though, because he's, like, also astrology. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that, Andrew. I've got a whole oh. section in the notes on oh. it. No, Andrew! <laughs> but yes, yes, th- this was one of the big things with the religious right. It's playing D&D. <laughs> <laughs> But this was at the height of the satanic panic. And like one of the big divides between Reagan and his kind of evangelical followers was, as you mentioned, Nancy Reagan was big into astrology um, and she was big into tarot and all that sort of stuff as well. New ageism and how uncomfortable that made them. But you had this idea, like there's a a quote from Fuller Theological Seminary's founder, Carl F.H. Henry. And this quote was given in November 1987, so just under a year before the movie was released. And he was talking about how you know, secular humanism, as represented in mass media, is decomposing into paganism. The idea that America had lost its spiritual way, that it was descending into anarchy. You had a resurgent Christianity in pop music, the music of Los Lobos, Lone Justice, The Call, U2, Springsteen, Simple Minds, The Water Boys, all that sort of stuff. You had the American Coalition for Traditional Values becoming more active in American life, pushing those ideas into the fore of media. You had like Americans increasingly embracing fundamentalism, and particular fundamentalist Christianity. Notably, when Reagan talked about like the end of the world, he used the term Armageddon, which is the phrase that the Reverend uses here specifically. He says Armageddon, it always has a face, it always has a name. And I do think if I were to step back and say, what is Halloween for about? What is it doing? I don't know if it's doing it consciously. I don't know if it's doing it deliberately, but I think it is tapping into that. And I think we've talked about slasher movies. We've talked about the sexual politics of slasher movies. Halloween 4 feels like a staggeringly conservative movie to me. Mm. It feels like it's very much in step with uh, Reagan. I don't know. The 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 lynch mob is like um they're Wait, not Wait, he calls them a town full of beer bellies 
running around with shotguns. Yes. Exactly. Which so is like great a, phrasing. <laughs> in a very conservative movie, they would be the, the solution. The heroes. And it's, they are yeah. the solution, though. And it's the solution that Loomis but, comes up with. But, sorry to interrupt you, but in the end, they do agree that they shouldn't intervene, that they should just, like, take him in and, you know what I mean? Right. That they shouldn't burn the place to the ground. But I get what you... They also kill that kid. <laughs> They do. They do they kill do a kid. Kill a That's the thing. They kill a kid, and like in in most movies, you'd be like, "This feels like the point at which we learn a lesson about how bad vigilante violence is and how wrong it is, uh, and how yeah. should you should generally mm. trust authority figures." Except this movie is like, no, the police can't protect you. You know what happens when Michael Myers comes running at you with Only a knife? Trust your fist. <laughs> That's it. Hey, Only tr- they're not. They're not wrong though, because I think it's Loomis who says. Or is it, is it one of the kids? Someone at one point says, well, the police haven't done a very good job so far. Yeah. And they're right. Like, I, the police have never brought him in. It was Loomis who shot him in the first place. But I think with the conservative um, side of it, you touch on something really interesting because the one kind of pseudo sex scene, oh. I mean, you think for sure you're going to see some boobs. None. And then you don't, which is very unheard of for a Halloween movie. I mean, even the first Halloween has boobs. So when you just see kind of a bra, it's like, oh, okay. Although she then walks around in her t-shirt without a bra and her dad doesn't question it, which I found a bit strange. Like if I was a teenager and my dad came home and I was just in a t-shirt, he'd be like, what are you doing? Put some clothes on. And they both end up dead and her death is to be penetrated by a giant shotgun. Which is a great kill, except that it looks terrible. It is great. And it makes no sense. (laughs) But it is, it's probably the best kill in the movie. It's probably the best kill in the movie. I'd agree with that. I think it is. Bring a shotgun to a knife fight. <laughs> <laughs> I think all all those other deaths, like like your man in this movie and Ben Tramer in the second, I feel like Oh Ben Tramer. They you def- mean the vigilante death. They definitely pinned that on um Loomis. No, on not on Loomis. <laughs> they they pinned it on Michael Myers. Was, yeah. Like afterwards they're like and 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 him too. What happened to him with Mike Myers? Yeah, it it was yeah it it was all yeah, him. It was definitely Mike I, Myers. He, Mike Myers shot they, him seventeen times with a shotgun. Um, oh, donkey! <laughs> they uh, they definitely deal with uh, the vigilante thing. I think better in Halloween Kills yeah. though. They do. I I mean I like I won't spoil it obviously, but I cried at Halloween Kills. I mean I cried twice, but that was one of the things I cried at. So and this it's interesting watching this after having watched Halloween Kills because they do kind of fumble it where they sort of go whole hog with it. They forget about them for a while. And then at the end, they're like, ah, never mind. Let's just all go home. And it's like, okay. I, I'm curious whether we'll get to the end of these movies and I will, whether I'll start calling him Michael Myers. <laughs> Stop calling him Mike, Mike. Myers. Yeah, it's, it's so really, confusing. It's, it's not intentional. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to be funny. No, I mean... We will talk about it when we talk about the David Gordon Green movies, but the two Gordon Green sequels are fascinating because they seem to take concepts from Halloween 4, Halloween 5, and Halloween 6 and basically rework them yes. in a way that, you know, is better or worse, but is certainly more artistically ambitious and consistent and arguably thought through than it is here. Because, like, I, I get Andrew's point about, like, the idea of these men in their pickup trucks with their shotguns being presented as, like, out-of-their-depth lunatics who've no idea what they're doing. But they do also, at the end, shoot Michael Myers 20 times and throw him down the bottom of a well. They they kind of do. Is that them or is that the... That's uh, the police. The, 
isn't it? The police? I thought that was them. No, I think it's the police. Maybe they're all, maybe they're all together. I'm pretty sure it's a different set of people in each movie, isn't it? Is it a mix of the two? Meeker, the state police, and the lynch mob shoot Michael down until he falls down a mine. Oh, well, there you go. Okay, so it's both of them. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. they kind of group together. I mean, I have to say as well, there was talk that uh, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride were going to bring back the Cult of Thorn stuff. And I mean, I don't know if they were just taking the piss, but I got so worried. I was like, please, God, no. <laughs> There's no what? need for it. Oh, oh, don't worry, Andrew. Don't you? All that is all that is in your future. I'm sure you've got uh, some questions about who that man is in Halloween 5 with the great shoes. <laughs> we'll we'll come you. back to that. <laughs> He's important. <laughs> <laughs> what? In terms of like again the Reaganism stuff, obviously you can argue that that is like small government. Oh, where now like, I remember the end of that move, <laughs> <laughs> where, where Michael Myers uh, like basically kills the entire Haddonfield Police Department off screen, mm, which again yeah. feels like it's very much a Reagan esque argument for small government, where it's like, look, mm-hmm. the government's not going to protect you; you need your guns to protect yourself, right? Um, but even like I think the central plot with like Rachel Rachel Crothers, right, where her plot is. She wants to go out with her boyfriend. She wants to have fun. She wants to be a liberated woman. There's the implication that she may have sex that night if she goes out. You know, maybe he's willing, he's finally going to make a commitment, etc. Um, but then basically her family thrust the responsibility of caring for Jamie on top of her. So she has to fall into that maternal role. She has to be a caregiver. She has to be a quote unquote stereotypical woman who stays at home and minds the kids. And that is ultimately what saves her life and what spares her. Mm. It's over the course of the movie, her coming to terms with that, her accepting that, no, I, I need to stay with Jamie. I need to care for Jamie. Like we've talked about like how I don't think the first Halloween movie is as conservative as it is accused of being. Mm. Where I think that, like, but I think that as the series goes on, it just kind of passively absorbs. I don't think this is a conscious choice. I don't think that, you know, Alan B. McElroy or Dwight H. Little were sitting down thinking, no, we're going to make a movie that resonates with Reagan America. Although we should note that in Halloween 5, the mask that Michael wears while driving the car was supposed to be a Ronald Reagan mask, but it was vetoed by Mustafa Akkad because he didn't want the Halloween movies to be, quote unquote, too political, unquote. <laughs> um, but I, I do think there is something there. And like the fact the climax of this movie is a Western. The climax of this yes. movie is defending the homestead against an outside invader. It's the end of Rio Bravo, uh, Fort Apache, all those movies. And particularly like the shot of Logan, the police officer with the mustache, sitting in the rocking chair with his shotgun. That could be John Wayne. That's the men with the guns are going to sit here and protect the, you know, the family, the homestead, the women. Now, obviously, they end up doing a piss poor job of it, to be fair. <laughs> but it, it does feel very much like it's the family is under attack I, and we have to protect it. I do love that Mike is up to his old tricks again as well. And he mimics him in the rocking chair. Like that's, <laughs> oh, that's a fucked up moment. I'm like, who I mean, came look, up it- with that? That was pretty genius. <laughs> If you've been lying around for 10 years, you've just been thinking of bits. Like, you've been like, yeah, hey, definitely. if I ever murder a dude in a rocking chair? Maybe maybe if I sit here in a rocking chair, she'll she'll come up to me and, like, straddle me and touch my hand and things. And, <laughs> and lick, oh, wow. Lick my, lick my fingers. Like, like last time. <laughs> like oh. last time. Oh, remember that? Yeah. How did she not know that wasn't her boyfriend's hand? <laughs> like, it was so and it Honey, was so you're filthy. much more calloused and tasting Ooh. of dirt and blood uh, than you usually do. Have you been in the operating theater? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. 
Joey, is there anything you want to talk about the movie? Anything jumping out at you? I have lots of like silly stuff, like the fact that she says she wants to go on a diet and then she eats bagel with cream cheese. I mean, what kind of diet is that? Uh, there's a pennies. I don't know if anyone noticed where the thrifty yes. Michael Myers shops. Primer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought the score was kind of like, yeah, it's called pennies. Wow. The yeah, the place, the little shop they they go to. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is underwear in there. <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, I suppose he needs new underwear after a while. I think again, you really miss Deborah Hill's influence with like the teenage talk. I think all that stuff kind of falls really flat. And I think the score kind of sounds like a disco version of the score, which I really enjoy. It's bad, but it's like it kind of suits the proceedings. Um, And also something I picked up on that we talked about with Halloween, too, is this recurring idea of like, we're not really family, you idiot. Like, again, we have her telling Jamie, we're not really sisters, Jamie. Like, why? Why are you doing that? If I had an adopted sister, I wouldn't just be consistently reminding her. By the way, we're not really sisters. Like maybe she ate like the last Rolo. I don't know. And you're just like <laughs> you're not even my real sister. You're annoying. I do as well. Yeah, you're annoying. We we have to talk about Danielle Harris because she's so fantastic. Yes. I mean, I don't know. I oh yeah. I feel that was weird for me because I've only ever seen Danielle Harris grown up. Yeah, in like Hatchet and stuff. In Hatchet and yeah. I don't dislike Danielle Harris, but I feel that this performance. It just felt a little bit kind of, you know, stage girl, like young actress. Um, and and that, that is OK, because like like she she's doing she's doing a fine job. Mm. But it, sorry, canonically, have I seen the fifth movie? I guess you have, you have <laughs> given the I, game away. So she's I better. Have, yeah. Is she better in the fifth movie? I feel like saying? she's uh, like leagues better streets better in the in the in the fifth movie here here i feel like it's it's a bit there's something kind of like i feel like you know like affected like a stage kid yeah she's kind of like precocious stage kid kind of yeah yeah well i mean this was her first theatrical role which is fine yeah no i I, i'm not gonna like kind of judge her but uh, but i'm not either going to kind of like set her apart and say like this is uh you know terrific I think like like the sequence on the roof, I think, is pretty exciting. Of course, they do it better in Scream. Um, and I think during she kind of those moments are where she really excels. The very the in peril moments, as the BBFC would call them. I think that's when she's best. It's almost in the normal moments where she falters, like the ending. Right. In the ending, she's great. Yeah. That part where they sort of mimic Halloween. They're like, remember Halloween? Well, <laughs> remember the start of Halloween? Yeah. Well, here you go. <laughs> I guess I'd agree with that. Yeah, I I, I feel like, but there 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 is kind of maybe that's kind of I I don't know. I I I I thought that was decently done. Yeah, at the end. Like it. I wonder how much. Yeah. They do. They do kind of faff it. Um, one more thing I just want to note is that at one point they stop running to yell, "Leave us alone." <laughs> I don't, I don't understand that. I've done that. Like, why? Why stop running to be like, leave us alone. Okay, keep going. Michael's like, oh, sorry, I didn't realize I was bothering you ladies. I'll, I'll continue on my way. Exactly, um, yeah. Oh, oh, my mistake. Yeah, I, I just thought you wanted to make a conversation. I just saw... <laughs> 
that's the next movie, Andrew. That's the yeah. next movie. <laughs> uh, two two quick things that Joey mentioned there that I think are just kind of worth talking about. First of which is the you remember Halloween or right aspect of this movie, which we've talked about where this is, you know, not only is this the 10th anniversary of like John Carpenter's original Halloween, but this is also, you know, the fourth film in the franchise. And it's the point at which it kind of really becomes a franchise. Because again, as we pointed out, this is where all the horror series are becoming franchises. They're no longer single films or even individual sequels. Mm. They're long-running series with rules and conventions and internal logic and stuff that kind of holds them all together. And like that, Joey also mentioned the costume. The fact that Myers gets a costume because this is the point at which like Michael Myers becomes rigidly defined because obviously the first film creates him. It kind of engineers him. He he becomes like what he needs to be in order to be a function of the story as it's being told. He's the shape. He's this nebulous entity that does whatever Carpenter needs him to do. Yeah. He wears a white mask because he might as well wear a white mask. He wears overalls because he killed a guy on the way to Haddonfield and stole his overalls because he didn't want to wear like the patient whites. Mm. And obviously in Halloween 2, it's the same night. So obviously he's still wearing the same mask and he's still wearing the same overalls. But with Halloween 4, you reach the point where you have to reverse engineer this because you know what the end product needs to look like. It needs to look like Michael Myers. Michael Myers does what Michael Myers does now. He's defined already and you kind of have to color in the shape, so to speak. So (laughs) he has to have a white mask. So presumably he just finds another one. He has to wear overalls. So I guess he kills a guy at a garage. You have the idea of like things being... Instead of engineered, they're kind of reverse engineered to get you the image or the iconography that you want. Where Michael Myers is this thing that is recognizable unto himself to the point where, like, you have presumably teenagers in Haddonfield dressing up as Michael Myers, mass produced copies of this, like, once odd singular serial killer. Oh, yeah, this movie had, uh, all those dudes were dressed as Michael Myers. There's that weird fake out with the cops. Yeah, that made no sense. Oh yeah, that was very because as we discussed, is Michael Myers like a thing in this universe? Is that a costume that people would wear? And if the so, film... isn't that kind of uncomfortable and un- like like wearing the... a Charles Manson mask or something? I suppose yeah, that would be the or like Jeffrey Dahmer or something. I suppose people do that nowadays because the true they do John Wayne Gacy's clown makeup or something. Because I mean, because the true crime someone would do that. Sick fuck. It's because the true crime craze, so you can kind of understand it nowadays. But I'm like, back in 88, when it's only been 10 years and like it's the same town and people like still live there, I'm just like, would they do that? Do they explain why uh, Lori's dead? Did I miss that? Car crash. I don't think she, I don't think she's dead. Is she dead? She's dead. They killed her off. No, they, 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 they do specifically say that her parents died. They do yeah. specifically say oh. that her parents died. In, in this universe, by the way, Halloween is a movie. Right. Um, yeah. And, so that doesn't and, make sense either. But the but the actors from the movie, some two of them died in a car crash and uh, okay, Andrew. another one <laughs> is still pretending to be the character from the first movie. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you Andrew for explaining our Halloween continuity course. Well, yeah, because in the third movie we established that Halloween is on the television, right? Yeah, but but this is back in that's this is in the nested universe. So this is a movie in Halloween. No. If if the world hadn't ended in Halloween three, they would all be going out no, to see. Hall- is, They'd be like, wait, movie, what happened to Halloween Donald four? Pleasance comes wait, back. Wait, did to the world I- end in that one? <laughs> well, all the children died. I thought they all just got children. All the- then. 
Yeah. All the children are dead. We can make more children. <laughs> we can make more children. They're, they're an infinite resource. I feel like they kill the parents as they're well. They're a renewable resource. <laughs> look, look, I don't know if you had health class in your school, but trust me. Well, we we discussed this, that Halloween 4 was going to be featuring St. Patrick and was going to <laughs> scare all of the snakes away. Um, yeah, but, and, and then we would be victorious. Okay, but my, my question is, like, so Tom Atkins, it's been six years since the trauma of Halloween 3 happens. He goes to the cinema, there's a new movie out starring that <sighs> guy from Halloween 1 and Halloween 2. Does he sit down and watch, like, Halloween 3, The Return of Michael Myers, and think, that's a really weird subtitle to have put on that movie? <laughs> and that's, that's my question. As if I get a kid into this movie, they're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tom Atkins is like a child. Oh, it, it would make. She's a really talented actress. It would make sense because he's like, oh, but he died in the second one. How? What's going to happen? That's like, fair, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. You yes. um, <laughs> really died. He really burnt up in that movie. <laughs> he properly fucked him up. John Carpenter was like, I'm getting rid of these guys. We're not making another one of these. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, there were there's real vibes of like, look, I gave you an open ending and look what you made me do. No more open endings for you, motherfuckers. Exactly, exactly. It's like killing Sherlock Holmes. It was just like, no, he's gone. Until enough pressure is applied. Until he came back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love, by the way, that this has, like, Hollywood money behind it now. It does only have a budget of $5 million, but I do love that there is, like, a car chase and a massive explosion. So what is with the explosions? There's even more in the next one. Oh, yeah. And No, because there's, there's an explosion <laughs> in Scream 3, and everyone still complains about it because they're like, no, you don't have explosions in slasher movies. Like, you gotta spend that money somehow. It's whatever Donald Pleasance didn't take in his negotiation. But I do love that it's like, there's a, he fires a gun randomly at a speeding car and then a gas pump explodes. And I'm like, this is not what I expected from Halloween 4, but uh, fair play. Yeah. Well, well, well played. I, I, I recognize that. All right. In terms of just other stuff, Andrew, anything in your notes you want to talk about with Halloween 4? In my notes, something else to talk about Halloween 4. <laughs> no, the wee, the wee, wee girl got bit, I think. It's the bit we don't see is 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 Michael, Michael Myers, Myers bitter bitter yeah. and she turns oh. into a Michael Myers. That's classic Michael Myers rules. Oh, it's like lycanthropy. Exactly. Yeah. 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 She's the Lugaru. I mean, we, we should talk about the ending. The ending is legitimately great. The ending is, I think, <laughs> the is. best part of the movie. Like it the is. best part and the best part of the ending of that movie is the bit where like Sam Loomis is screaming, no, no, no. And he's, oh, it's like he's in a nightmare. Yeah, he's great. Waving the, like raising the gun. That's in the trailer. Like, he raises the gun. Meekers has to squeeze the gun out of Loomis's hand to stop him from shooting a child. It's incredible. It's just but an incredible... But in Loomis's defense, he's like, no, I can't make this mistake again. Yeah. I have to kill this child before this child kills again. It makes sense for Loomis. Did he kill? Did he kill again? And everybody in the room is like, we know exactly what's going through his mind. He spent the past 10 years communicating it very clearly. Like, I love that Loomis is like, look, he actually seems happy when he comes home. He's like, Michael Myers is definitely dead. I haven't <laughs> seen a body, but I'm sure there's no way we could make another he sequel. He fell down a <laughs> hole, for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah. We shot him uh, with a spas 12. No follow-up questions. <laughs> I I only shot him six times, six times, but they shot him like five times that. <laughs> but like, 
I love them constantly referring to that gun as a riot gun, by the way. Like, I don't know why. It's just such a nice touch. <laughs> and then you see it, and it's like, oh, that's, uh, that's the Terminator's gun. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, we should note, I, I am not the only person to make that connection with Reagan-esque values. Uh, we should note that Charlotte Lowe Allen, writing in the Los Angeles Times in November 1988, suggested that both The Accused and Halloween 4 are movies that need to be understood as two sides of the same coin, united by sequences of men in bars in modern America, feeling inadequate and out of place and acting out their anxieties and masculine uncertainties. I need 10,000 words on Halloween 4. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew, seriously, you have so much to learn. You are going to be shocked by the amount of journalism. Seriously? journalism out there about halloween four five and six like yep this is i mean i do love that it's like the accused in halloween four somebody rolled the dice and was like how can we connect these two movies we have the like harrowing like jodie foster awards drama and halloween four and they are two sides of the american experience they speak to the moment they speak to the now what about yourself peter anything we haven't discussed anything jumping out at you well you know, you're kind of talking about Reagan and Reaganism, and there is a lot of. I know, I didn't experience much of the '80s. Thank God, <laughs> being born in '87, the year before this came out. But you know, I there's something about Reaganism. There's something about America at that time that was just, you know, America's yucky. Yeah, but America was so much yuckier in the '80s. I feel like yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot of mascot yuckiness it's kind of coming back now but there seems to have been a lot of concern back then about the corruption of youth Mm. what people are going to do to your children how they're going to twist and turn them i mean like it was still the cold war and everything so like there was definitely always been that for like most of the last century but there's definitely a bit of that going on here where it's like oh yeah it's uncle her uncle showing up and as we see later on, exerts some question mark kind of influence on Jody. I just had to remember her name there. Jesus, um, it's Jamie. Where it's like, oh, uh, we just talked about Jody Foster. That's why. Well, <laughs> yeah, like somehow, depending on what you think about this movie, Michael Myers either corrupts her or traumatizes her into committing murder. Mm. And I feel like that also speaks very much to the anxieties of the time. Yeah. Everyone was worried about kids playing D&D and smoking weed and then just going out and worshipping the devil. Yeah, They thought they were going to turn into Eric Castle out there. But uh, do I have anything else out about this? Not really. <laughs> I, th- I think that's a good point. I do also it like is. that you're pitching this as like the Halloween franchise's take on Alfred Hitchcock's Shadow of a Doubt. <laughs> Where it's a story about a young woman whose uncle comes to visit and awakens some dark impulses inside her. Oh. Or Stoker. Park Chan walks Stoker. Um, <gasps> I love Stoker. Love Stoker so it's much. So good. To build on, on Peter's point there, which which I think is a good one, it's worth noting that again, this is the late eighties, so you're talking this is the peak of stranger danger. But you also have things percolating through the pop consciousness, like the McMartin preschool trial, oh. where it's kind of alleged that there were these satanic rituals taking place in this kind of, you know, seemingly normal, seemingly mundane preschool. You know, you do have this idea of Myers kind of representing as as you said, this corrupting corrosive force. And you do, 
likely unintentionally, I kind of don't want to give the movie too much credit, but you also have this kind of paradox of the gulf between how we thought of like risk to children during the 1980s and the reality as it exists statistically, where during the 80s, there was a tendency to think of this violence as happening outside the home. Child abuse was something that strangers did in cars, masked men, psychopaths, serial killers, etc. But we know based on the evidence that it tended to actually be within the home. Children were more likely to be abused by relatives than they were by strangers. Yeah. And so you have, I think, you know, this kind of paradox of Michael Myers as this unknowable external force, but also Jamie's uncle and the kind of contradiction between the two. And then I think finally, just to kind of circle back around, just something we mentioned at the start, I... I'm kind of wary of talking about, like, trying to explain why people like Halloween 4, to kind of pathologize the enjoyment of this movie. People like what they like, and that's fine. And if it brings you joy, that's great. It doesn't really work as much for me, but (laughs) there isn't a need to explain or account for it. But I do honestly think that a large part of it is down to the fact that this is the first Halloween movie that arrives when VHS is a thing. By 1985, the VHS market is worth, what, $666 million in the United States. If you want to draw a line under it and say 1988 was a key year for VHS as a format, this was the year that Sony made their first VHS player, effectively conceding that Betamax had lost the format war. It was also the year that, like, Spielberg finally caved and allowed, like, E.T., which was released in 1982, one of the biggest movies of all time, to be released on home media. Media, accepting that this was now how people watch movies. I think you also had a situation where one in four... We already sh- discussed this. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm just going to make the case that Sony had, like... Sony I want to hear it. First. What? I want to so, hear so, it. <laughs> tell me more, Darren. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm just I'm no, showing no, no, my work. Ahead. I'm showing Sorry. my work. But I, I do think that, like, the VHS market has a huge part to do with it. I think we talked about this the last time as well. Or maybe it was with Halloween, too. I can't remember. This probably looked better on VHS as well. Like, this yeah. wasn't meant to be watched on, like, my 50-inch TV screen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So we have to kind of give it some leeway. Oh, flex there. 50-inch. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... Must be nice. <laughs> but you know you're, you know yourself, like, we have to give it some leeway on that front as well. That, like, the people who were obsessed with it, who watched it when they were kids in the 90s, probably did think it looked really cool because it did back then watching it on vhs going back over it yeah on like on your your little tv like i mean the first time i saw evil dead was in my cousin's attic on an old vhs tape and it was the perfect way to see it you know what i mean i've seen it remastered in the cinema and i'm like yeah it's still great but nothing compares to the scuzziness of it obviously that's a much better film i'm not comparing the two (laughs) like yeah i mean like a cad has said basically four really worked on video Mm. Before number four, video wasn't such a big thing for the production. And like you have this idea that basically, you know, again, by 1988, Sony were manufacturing VHS as they had won the Betamax format war. In 1988, like one in two homes in America had a VHS recorder. The purchases of VHS players had gone down dramatically because everybody who had bought them had them. You had studios reporting that apparently like attendance at movies, which had been going down in the 1980s, suddenly started going up again. And they're like, is that because VHS has reignited a passion for movie going and, like, I do think that, yeah, I think the VHS market is a huge part of the success of that. Sorry, to repeat a point I already made, Andrew, I apologize for that. Yeah, no, they, they, and, and, like... He's it's, thorough. It's, it's incredible how how big, um, 
Halloween tree was with the radio store. And <laughs> you just don't see that anymore. No, no, just it was it was massive. The radio adaptation, the radio play version of Halloween three was just, just incredible. Just killed it. Yeah. <laughs> I think though it's it's still kind of a thing in in horror. I mean, if you think about the popularity of something like Skinamarink, which I gotta say I absolutely hated. I found it a Oof, chore to watch. Oh but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I know it was like it was never gonna end. But I, I look at this corner. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing in it. And that's it. But um, but that did really well by word of mouth. You know, there was like this bootleg version that got out from a festival that wasn't supposed to get out and all this kind of stuff. And that was the like a modern equivalent of something being big on VHS. So in horror, especially with small indie movies like that, it does still happen. It's obviously it's on a completely different scale because it's links and stuff. You know what I mean? It's not physical copies, but it's yeah, it's the kind of thing that can still catch fire and still really, really make a dent with horror fans which is mad when you think about it and like halloween 4 it's crap <laughs> <laughs> no kevin for taste in terms of, of just other notes about halloween 4 apparently when they shot the movie and ended the movie they realized there wasn't enough gore apparently this is a surprisingly non-graphic movie so they went back and did a whole day of shooting blood and guts and gore for this movie yeah. to add a little bit of blood to it so you'll notice there are a lot of close-ups of like fingers piercing skin and various other things that happen because those are the effects that they could pull off in the day that they had and then otherwise it it was a fairly significant financial success at the box office as well it held on to the number one spot for two weeks. It was the f- last Halloween movie until David Gordon Green's 2018 Halloween to hold the number one spot for two consecutive weeks. So it does feel like it was a moment wow. uh, of success for the franchise that maybe wasn't met for the years that follow. Andrew, anything else? Uh, Any of our usual two In terms of nonsense? our normal bullshit. Um, <laughs> well, every every Halloween movie has food waste because you're, you're, you're taking pumpkins and you're not making pies out of them. That's fair. And in terms of a obligatory Robocop reference, it's <laughs> when uh, Michael gets all shot up by the police. Um, Very good. <laughs> like Robocop. Um, I mean, and we did talk about how this is a religious movie. It's kind of an American anti-Jesus story. <laughs> First, we must crucify the Michael Myers. <laughs> yes. yeah, then the Michael Myers will be resurrected. Then, then the resurrection, yes. <laughs> to fight Buster Rhymes. This is, this is, we are getting to the end, but it's like the opening credit sequence, which is... I like it, but it has no connection to anything. It's terrible, yeah. The shots of the farm, which I think is, I think that it's quite lovely. I think it looks quite nice, but I've got no idea why. What it means or what it has to do with anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. All right. All right, <laughs> then. What we normally do at the end of the podcast, is we ask our guests to recommend something, something they're enjoying at the moment. Oh. It could be something related to the movie we're discussing, something unrelated to the movie. I just heard Peter go, oh, which either means he has something on the top of his head or he needs a moment to think about it. I'm going to assume the latter and ask Andrew to go first. Um, I'll talk about another movie about America, but not America in the 80s. America kind of post-financial crisis. I enjoyed um, Logan Lucky. I, oh yes! Oh, <laughs> it's 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 in it's great. in in, in the <laughs> in the canon of great Daniel Craig American movies. <laughs> um, I said no picking. <laughs> I'm naked. Is, I'm uh, naked. 
he actually spent six months with Cotton Hill from uh, King of the Hill oh. to, 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 to get that accent down, which, which, which shows his dedication. What's that other? I am incarcerated. <laughs> 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 so good. It's I incredible. love it. Oh, but, man. <laughs> no, it's it's. It's it's just a very good um, uh, Soderbergh movie. Yeah, it is. Um, and it, it's 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 him kind of you know enjoying um, uh, making a movie, and and I I feel like it, it's it's very kind of like sad but like hopeful, and um, yeah, it's just kind of enjoyable. Yeah, it's an interesting counterpart to the Oceans movies, which you mentioned yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also, it's nice to see, I feel like um, Sean Baker obviously does this really, really well, but it's nice to see like smaller town Americana, like people who yes. are on the fringes who are kind of just really struggling to make. I mean, those stories definitely interest me more than stories about super rich people doing whatever, even though those are fun too. Um, so I love it from that side of things as well, that it's just kind of all these like <laughs> low rent hicks just desperately trying to make their fortune. And you're exactly. rooting for them as well, you know? It's got Kylo Ren in it. It does it have does. Kylo Ren. That's correct. It's a, Kylo Ren. It's a kind of an. Am, I. I. Excuse me if I'm getting my geography wrong, but it, it's kind of like an an Appalachian movie that's not about opioid. Um, yes, or, luckily it yeah. isn't. There's none of that, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> um, all right then. And oddly, <laughs> o- oddly, 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 they leave it out. It's <laughs> whatever the characters is in pain. I think has an injury. Yeah, that's very fair. Joey, what would you recommend? What are you enjoying at the moment? Um, I'm going to recommend my favorite fourth sequel of all time, which is Scream 4. Yes. I love Scream 4 so much. I think it's so fantastic. Yeah. I, I saw something recently where people were saying that it looks really ugly. Um, I don't see that personally. I think it looks the same as all the other Scream movies, which unless people think they look ugly, I don't know. But yeah, I just, I love Scream 4. I think it's probably the four, best forequel we've ever had. Um, or at least so far. And yeah, I just think if you're looking for a great fourth entry, you can't go wrong with Scream 4. It's great. I will say, like, again, that's from cinematographer Peter Deming, who did the first three, I believe, as well. Well, then they don't look different. <laughs> well, I, th- I, think they- it does, I think it does look different, but by choice. I think he's going for a nostalgia. Like, the whole thing is the characters yeah. chasing their youth. So it has this kind yeah. of washed out, kind of like goldy nostalgia view that I quite like about it. But yes, I would I would also, Scream 4 is, is amazing. I think it's, it's sorely, right. sorely underrated. Um, but Peter, what would you recommend? You said an O, so I'm hoping that was enthusiastic. <laughs> um, I have. Yeah, a- so way back in the day, me and Joey used to do a podcast with a friend of ours about movies, usually, nominally horror. And yeah. it's, it was always funny because the other two would watch horror movies and then it would get to me and I wouldn't have watched anything. And I would just <laughs> I would just recommend like a synthwave band or something because I love synthwave. I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do instead is say people should watch The Void. Yes. Um, one of my favorite movies ever. I think it's it's like if you took uh, um, Attack on Precinct 13 and maybe a bit of Event Horizon and just smushed them together and went balls out on it. Especially for... Um, it's the guys who did... What did they do? Manborg? Was that them? Manborg, yeah, they did Manborg. And Especially they... for Carpenter fans. Carpenter fans should oh, definitely yeah, watch The Void. Like yeah, Carpenter movies, watch The Void. And like, I love Satan stuff. Satan stuff. I love Satanic stuff. I love <laughs> demons. I love... 
Lovecraftian kind of imagery. It's got all of it. It's got a it's got a zombie who keeps smashing its head into a piece of rebar over and over again, trying to kill itself. Yeah. It's got people tearing their own faces off. It's got some very eerie shots of just cultists standing outside this hospital. It that movie rocks. They knew what they were making when they made that movie. Yeah, they really, really and did. no one talks about it. Well, I bought that one sight unseen because the word of mouth was so good and because the poster was so great. I was like, nah. Oh, yes. I was like, I'm just going to... A big triangle of light. And then when you see that in the movie, it just looks so good. It's, I love that movie so much. Yeah, I was like, I'm just going to buy this. All right. That's um... probably one of those ones, it's a sleeper. And like in another 10 years, people will be like, oh yeah, The Void. Yeah, we slept on that. We were dumb yeah, I think so too. We were idiots. We sucked and we were dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and we apologize profusely. We're, we're sorry about <laughs> Halloween 4. <laughs> we <laughs> like the void now. <laughs> oh, God. In terms of recommendations for myself, what I've been doing as we do this, because I don't watch enough movies, is I've been watching John Carpenter's filmography in parallel. Oh, um, and they're all. It's just been touching the grass nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> been out in the world is where I've been. Yeah. So, like, you have The Thing, which is from 1982, which is phenomenal. You have Christine from 1983, which is getting a remake from Brian Fuller. Starman, which is the only John Carpenter movie with an Oscar nomination for Jeff Bridges' wow. performance, uh, which is incredible. I haven't seen it. Yep. Big Trouble in Little China, which I think Andrew alluded to, is a movie that I was terrified of revisiting for several reasons related to cultural sensitivity oh, cultural but I think, reason, yeah yeah yeah, I, yeah I think it holds up because it it isn't a white savior yellow peril movie it's about an, an idiot who thinks he's a white savior in a yellow peril movie yeah. uh, which is a very clever way of doing it it's a sidekick who thinks he's a hero um which is phenomenal yeah. there's a moment at the climax where he's like like old jack burton always says and the villain says who and he goes jack burton <laughs> me um, which is just incredible um, and then obviously, like, the the smaller stuff that he did, like uh, Prince of Darkness and They Live as well. Like, Carpenter had a yeah. phenomenal 80s run. Um, I'm probably not going to make recommendations as much from his 90s stuff. Um, but that 80s run is absolutely incredible. I love some of his 90s stuff. I got Joey recently to watch um, At the Best Madness. Yes! Fantastic. And that's, like, amazing. Love that movie. It's so, so movie. good. Oh, that so is, good. Yeah. That is a, a movie that literally drives people insane. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, it's because it's on streaming, uh, No One Will Save You, which is the Caitlin Diver oh, alien yes. home invasion movie, which is I've heard good, great. I've heard good oh, things. Shit. Yeah. It's very much in the style of like Prey and in the style of 10 Cloverfield Lane. By now, it'll be on Hulu in the States. It'll be on Disney Plus in Ireland. It is <gasps> well worth watching. On this podcast, we constantly complain they don't make silent movies anymore. Awesome. This is a movie that is largely wordless. So it is phenomenal. I hardly recommend checking it out. All right, then. If people are looking for a bit more Peter, a bit more Joey in their lives, Peter, oh. where can we find you? Watch out. Watch up to. Oh, shit. So uh, the easiest way to find me, I think it's just to go on Twitter uh, find shoehead underscore art. That's S H O E H uh, A D underscore art. And there's a there's a post pinned at the top to find me on all the places that aren't fucking Twitter. <laughs> but um, yeah, you'll get art. You'll get. Uh, I make games in my spare time. Um, you'll see that I've been painting a lot of Warhammer men. So that's mainly what I've been posting. Uh, and then sometimes uh, I. I I say terrible things. I say, not not fucked up things, just really horrible jokes. You'll get some of those. 
<laughs> I, I do like the energy of I'm only on Twitter to help you get away from Twitter. Yes. Elsewhere, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, find me elsewhere. And Joey, where can we find you? Watch out, watch up there. I'm still on Twitter, even though it seems like it's burning to the ground more and more each day. By the time this comes out, it might even be gone. So at Joey LDG, which we have discussed before, stands for Living Dead Girl because I'm very cool and a big Rob Zombie apologist. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you'll find all my stuff on there, like reviews and uh, random thoughts about horror movies. Don't worry, there's no defense of Halloween 4, Andrew. It's safe. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And you can follow the podcast at, at the 250, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever good podcasts are found. If you like us, feel free to rate, review and subscribe. It really helps draw eyes to the podcast. Uh, Five I've, stars. I what? Think. Five stars. I mean, if you were to rate, yeah. I, w- I, w- I would recommend yeah. five, five stars. stars. Five stars. I, like, five stars. Go five, for stars. five stars. Halloween five stars. four and a bonus. Like one star for every voice you've heard on this episode and a bonus because together we are greater. That is why I would say five. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. The uh, fifth star is you. That's, that's it. Thank you, yeah. listener. We literally could not do this without you. So thank you very much, listener, whoever you are. <laughs> time person of the year, you? <laughs> you're you're a very smart sophisticated intelligent and i'm sure beautiful or handsome individual so with great taste yes but yes all right so we'll be back uh next week when we'll be talking about halloween 5 the revenge of michael myers oh shit i i know i know he seems so mild oh, no mad. yeah it's like wow um that escalated so join- quickly <laughs> uh peter will be returning for that discussion thank you very much peter in advance for your revenge (laughs) i will (laughs) i have to to go do some stuff yeah (laughs) stare at a wall for several hours all right take care guys all right thanks guys